What is up, Nux, and welcome to the third annual Christmas Eve Keeper Preview Pod with Mish and Sean. Sean slayed this. I'm recording this preview after the fact. Fun pod. Sean killed it. We got a little bit buzzed. Now I got to go make some dinner. Uh, but before we do that, just wanted to get this pod out to you guys and wish you a Merry Christmas. Hope you enjoy. There we go. Merry Christmas. Yeah, baby. I love that picture. We'll post that in the comments. Uh, for those <laughs> listening, Sean sent me a picture of a setup. Dual screen, both of them on fan graphs, a nice milkshake dreams poured. You are ready to pod. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> so before we jump in there, what is it what does a COVID Christmas look like for the Poland family? Uh we're doing um Today, Lauren's parents are making a turkey and some, I think, mashed potatoes. We're making some stuff, and then we're going to do, like, a little trade-off where they're going to give us some stuff, and we're going to give them – they're going to take some stuff. Um, And so we're going to eat at home and just – Lauren's goal is to drink a bottle of champagne. Um, I'm going to try to back her up with that and and join along with something. I haven't been drinking much lately. I've uh, been trying to work on some cholesterol issues, but today and tomorrow are free game. Um, then, uh, tomorrow we are, I don't know exactly what we're doing, but I know for certain we're going to go to, uh, my parents' house and then just sit in the backyard and have, uh, my brother and his kids come over and just open some presents and hang out for a little bit. And then we're going to get, uh, some shabu for dinner and uh, eat at home. Yeah. Hopefully the weather cooperates. I know Um, it's weird as hell with the rain today. I know it's nasty outside. Uh, not much. I'm I'm gonna make dinner tonight. You know we've kind of been co-quarantining with my parents this whole time, and right. Um, so the, and then tomorrow just kind of the same. I'm not gonna see anyone except for them. Um, and do a uh, just kind of make it all about Charlie. It's kind of her first Christmas where I think she's like really excited and grasped yeah, the whole exactly. Santa, the Santa concept and all of that. So I I'll get to you know build some toys out and shit tonight when she goes to sleep. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah. Just a welcome break. Yeah, that's that's super fun once it gets to that point. I, I sort of think that was Wyatt last year, but then this year is just like, yeah, man, you got to write the letter. you got to be good. The stupid <laughs> elf is watching you. Like, don't fuck around, man. Yeah, maybe you'll be up till midnight building the Hot Wheels tracks and shit. So. Oh, we're, we're, we're already done. We, <laughs> we got it all good. We're, uh, we're doing a – we got him a, a skateboard, and so he's going to get ready to go and wild on that thing. Love it. I missed the uh, yeah. missed the Hayfleet Christmas party. I texted Gene yesterday, unrelated, but yeah. that's definitely something that's missing from this year. But we'll make the best of it. Um, all right, yeah, well, I, hey, let's I, jump in. There's uh, there's kind of a lot to talk about. It's into the uh, the agenda, and so let's let's lead off with just a quick trivia warm up to get our our minds into the baseball mode. Um, you ready? Yes, I okay. am. Who is? I know you have fan graphs up. I don't cheat. Who is uh, the? You want to hear the the keyboard click and trust me. <laughs> yeah. Who is the only team to have multiple players in the top ten on the active career home run leaderboard? <laughs> um, let's see. The only team to have active on the career the top. So if you look at the top ten career leaderboard uh, for active players, who's the only team to have multiple players in the Ooh. top ten? Uh, active i mean there's there's a big anchor on the angels with pools um i just don't know if trout's that high yet what else is there out there who's some old people who have a lot of home runs let's see 
I don't even know where Encarnacion plays anymore. Is he on the White Sox? Uh, I don't know if he's on the team right now. <laughs> um, let's see. Just for the sake of oh, well, then there, oh, no. This is tough. This is a good question here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just go with the Angels. You got it. <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh, so yes, Pujols number one was six sixty two. So here's the interesting thing. Trout is six with 302. They got a third guy. No one else has two. They have three. Justin Upton at number four with 307. So <laughs> they've got three in the top 10. No other team has multiple players in the top 20. The Reds are the closest. Joey Votto is number seven on the list with 295. And then you got to go all the way down to number 22 on the list, Mike Moustakis with 190. So just very much the angel style to have a bunch of like eight. I mean, Trout obviously the exception, but otherwise, you know, yeah. uh, a thousand career home runs between nearly between uh, Pujols and Upton. Oh, six sixty nine, nice. Um, and and you know, <laughs> but no production actually coming their way. So, all right, you yeah, got it. I'd like to see the numbers of those three guys over the past three years, and then <laughs> compare with the prior seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Sean. So, what do I win? Uh, good question. I'll have my my secretary get back to you. Uh, we are, right. you have to come on the pod. How's that sound? That's all right. I'll accept <laughs> it. All right. So we're, we're in the midst of the off season. I know every knuck approaches the off season and the eventual ramp up to stiffy a little bit differently. Some guys just shut the engines down completely. Nick says, you know, Hey, Nick, don't talk to me. About, <laughs> yeah. Don't talk to me about baseball till after the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Monday, his doors are open. Uh, you know, Deke, he's definitely kind of a, I don't even believe that. Yeah. Well, theoretically, um, you know, Deke definitely pushes it pretty close to the deadline now. I think Eli's kind of gotten in that boat. Others are, are a bit more engaged, you know, with the hot stove and the player news and offseason trade talks. Curious how, how you approach the offseason and, and what does your prep for the auction look like? Um, you know, I kind of just, at least especially right now, um, just watching trade stuff, seeing where people are going. I just saw Brad say something about Josh Bell getting booted over to the Nationals, which – I, I want to say definitely gives Trey Turner a little bit more boost, but I mean, he's already someone I'm obviously going to keep. <laughs> so it's not like it's not much to do with that, but um, I, I don't do a lot of like nitty gritty stuff and probably t- until like probably late January, February. Once, once people start going to, to spring training and reporting to camps is when, Oh shit, this is annoying. Let me turn my volume down here. Um, uh, that's when I kind of get the spreadsheets out and stuff like that and really look at things. At that point, I feel like teams have really settled to at least like what a, a legit starting nine probably looks like and what their, their, their starting five looks like and, and all that good stuff. So um, I just, again, I keep an eye on where people are heading and make note. I, I, I don't do a ton other than just enjoy Boots trying to pretend like he's doing a lot and then shows up to the draft like he's super prepared and fails it as usual. <laughs> Yeah, so first of all, that, that I didn't hear anything yet about the Josh Bell trade. You said he got traded to the Nationals? Yeah, just a little bit ago, about it, I'd say an hour wow. ago. Wow, okay. So he, his name's going to come up later. Speaking of boots and keepers, he traded for him this offseason. That's a good move for him from a park perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's going from – I don't even – who's Jeff McNeil? I, I don't know who's on the Pirates anymore. Um, there's <laughs> two. No, no one. Cabrian Hayes, I think that he had a – Yeah, that, so – that's about it. Yeah, he's going Polanco, from, your, from your, boy, to... your boy Gregory Polanco still hacking away out there. I don't even want to look at his stats right now because I don't <laughs> believe that he's my boy anymore. But 
yeah, hidden behind Soto is going to be a boost, and Trey Turner probably in front of him. I would imagine they slide him in in the four hole, but you never know. Yeah, that's a um, great spot. Uh, yeah. But yeah, in your your insight on how you how you get going, I, I guess I'm I'm kind of similar. I think I start a little sooner, but it's it's a slow burn. Like I'll I'll download a set of projections when they become available and export them to Excel. Right. Like Steamer's already out there, just right. so I have some sort of universe to kind of start with, and then from there, like there's just kind of like or if there is a trade or if there, I come across something interesting on Fangraphs or Baseball Savant or something that warrants a deeper look into a player, then I'll just make some adjustments to that projection. It's just like a living document. So there's no there's no major crunch session. Uh, I just yeah. kind of chip away at it when I'm in the mood and when I have time throughout the offseason, which is cool because it's like I feel like, you know, over the course of many months, um, whenever I have a little bit of time to look into things or read up on something, you know, I, I think I, I cover all the bases. The downside is like you said, there's so much is subject to change until you get into like February that yeah. um, I might make some changes, you know, now and, and not remember to revisit them uh, right. in two exactly. or three months. And, and so and I'm not saying it's the best way to go, but it just seems to work for me because it gives me something to kind of tinker with throughout the off season when I, right. when I'm interested and when I have the time. One thing uh, I like, um, is kind of when the podcasts start coming out specifically the picture list i know we've talked about this before and their their take on things is sometimes a little off and i can't stand their banter because they're just like two queer little schoolboys. but um they sometimes have some pretty good information and they are pretty smart so i like to hear them and a weird thing too is um as much as i love podcasts i usually listen to them in my car so i hope like i get to a point where i'm driving to meetings yeah. again sometime soon otherwise i have to like kill time in the office and I don't do good listening to things while I'm trying to work that have words in them. It just distracts the shit yeah. out of me in both yeah. ways. I can't, I can't work and I can't follow the podcast one or the other. So I just can't do it. But so uh, it's, it's going totally to be weird to find the time with that for that kind of stuff. But other than that, yeah. like you said, it's uh wait for that stuff to settle. Um, and you hit the nail on the head. Once things are exportable into Excel, that's when the fun starts. And so, it's, I didn't even really realize, even though I'm looking at fan graphs, that streamers absolutely right there, ready to go. Yeah, it's ready to go. Um, yeah, I, my my consumption, my podcast consumption is way down. I basically, if I'm on a run or a walk, I'll listen to something. But I, yeah, I can't do it while I'm working. And um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. For, and for me, the podcast really is like it's it's less about the information, like really taking their opinion to heart, and more like is this a catalyst for something to look into. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, they make something that's kind of make a point. Exactly. It's kind of interesting. It's like, all right, well, you said this guy's a sleeper. I'm not just going to yeah. run with that, but eh, maybe I'll take a look, right? So, I'll do it in the supplemental um, round. And, and that's like, oh, yeah, he said that. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, so speaking of the 20, 2021 season, uh, surely you've seen the news that some owners are leaking statements about delaying the start of the season. They're saying that there's no way to start the season on time because they want all the players and the personnel vaccinated. And, and that won't happen by mid February when teams are typically reporting for spring training. It's worth mentioning that the owners nor uh, Rob Manfred can unilaterally postpone opening day. Per my understanding, I, I think they have to negotiate that with the players union, but legal battle aside, would you rather see the season start the first week of April as it's scheduled and potentially play through a messy, you know, first six weeks or so with some of the cancellations and the double headers and all the stuff we dealt with last season, or would you prefer that they push opening day back to let's call it, you know, mid May and play about 120 games of a, of a totally normal season. I want them to push it. I want baseball in April. I want to be able to go to a game by June. 
I want to I want to sit in the stands. I don't care if I'm next to somebody or not. I I really want this year to get out of the house. Why it's at an age where if we drive by the stadium, he goes, "Oh, remember when we went to that baseball game?" Like, yeah, that was fun. Let's do that again. You know, um, I, I yeah. don't. I mean, there's so much going on, and it changes every day. But I don't really think by April it's going to be an issue. I mean, I like potentially, obviously, they would have to push back spring training, which is annoying. Um, like everything would just be so, so pushed back that it's just like football did it sort of basketball did it sort of like figure it out, keep your fucking people accountable. And if they're not, then, then dock them big, make the penalties harsher. If you fuck up, like, Oh, this guy went to a strip club and then brought back COVID from some, some, some chicks boobs, like get out of here. Then you're not playing James, James Harden. Yeah, you're not, you're not playing anymore. Then you get out of here yeah. and that's it. Like, it should be at a point where they can be as strict as they need to be, where if you fuck up and you don't follow the rules, like 60, 60 game ban, there you go. Run, run with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the players would agree to a, a condensed spring training if it meant getting starting on time and getting, you know, they, they made 35% or so of their salary last year. They want to make a hundred percent this year. So it, it, it as off the rails as last season was, it was better than nothing. So I'm with you. I'll, I'll take the 162 games, even if the first 40 are a bit wonky. Just I'd rather that than eliminate those games altogether. Give me the baseball. Right. I'll take it in any form. Um, but it's such an annoying dilemma because postponing opening day, you can make the argument that it's the ethical approach. But we know that's not why they're pushing for it. The owners, they, they know they probably can't fill the stadiums until June or July or so. So postponing opening day is a way to reduce the schedule, thus reduce player salaries by, you know, 25% or so. And so while it might be the right thing to do, that's that's not the owner's motive. Mm-hmm. If it were the playoffs, they'd play right through it. So uh, I don't know. Perhaps the most logical solution for this year is the owners give the players the full season so they can go out there and make 100% of their salaries. And then the players, this year only, give the owners their expanded playoffs one more year to help recover some of that lost gate revenue. I think that could be the middle ground to at least get started on time, keep both parties happy. And then they can, they still have another year to negotiate for the, the CBA for next year, which is when we're really at risk for some sort of a, a lockout or strike or something. I feel like that's a sticky, a sticky path though. If you start, okay, we're going to do expl- expanded playoffs again, then well, shit, why not just do them every year now? You know, I, I, I think that was a one-time thing and um I, I, don't, I can't really say if I enjoyed it or not at this point. It was, it feels like it was so long ago, even though it wasn't. Um, but I, I love to just see the games. And if, if they're going to be meaningful games that late, I, I honestly, I like the five game situation where you, you're, you've got to, you got to win quick and be done with it. And I, I mean, I did enjoy sort of the, uh, the, the expanded wild card situation a little bit with the the runoffs that that was kind of neat, but the same thing like Eli was very adamant about it and I fully agree that there was teams that just did not deserve to be there like they were yeah. under 500 and somehow ended up beating teams that were much more worthy and were just maybe cold for a week you know it's it's yeah. game it's game time and you got to be ready for it but to to screw people in that manner where they get booted out just because of someone else who got lucky for a game is not cool. Yeah. As someone else, someone on Twitter or somewhere came up with an idea I, I, I'm lifting. Um, but I thought it was actually pretty good is if you're going to stick with this format to where the only incentive to, 
to be good in the regular season is to have home field advantage in a three-game series. That's just not enough. But if you had it to where those top four seeds started the series up one game to nothing, so they had to win one, and the road game had the road team had to win two, had to sweep them, then maybe it's like, okay, now the regular season really means something, but you still get that expanded playoff. You get a little bit less games, yeah. but um, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, that's one way to do it because, yeah, otherwise it does really water down the, the regular season. And the problem, too, with that long term is the more playoff teams there are, the more luck is involved, a.k.a. the less skill is involved, and therefore there's less reason to go out there and pay for the big players. So it's going to suppress player salaries. And I hope the players and the association realize that before they agree to something long term, because then they're going to be really pissed in a few years when they're not getting the salaries they used to getting. Because they're like, well, we just need to be, we just need to sneak in, and then we have yeah. a three game series. Like that, that's going to be problematic. So, yeah. But, but like, like I said, for this year, if we do get in a situation where, you know, it's going to get pushed uh, because we are still in a pandemic, that maybe it makes sense for one more season. We'll see. Yeah. In most cases, I am a very big proponent for change and giving something a try. Um, I, I think they gave it a try, and, and it was it was good and bad parts about it. Um, but but I like to see what's going on. I, I like Keith's take that uh, Theo's gunning for that uh, that Manfred spot because I, I think he would be really progressive with his ideas and and what he might want to push forward with the league and, and the game in general. There. Oh yeah. Hello. Oh no. I'm here. It's just uh, I don't know what just happened. I did hear you say that that uh, we're, we're back on. It's like it's still recording. I did hear you say Keith's idea about um, uh, Theo gunning for the commissionership, and I think that would be awesome. I think that he would. Yeah. Know, he he has some good ideas, and he's already kind of made some comments about what's broken and how he can fix it. So sorry if I'm repeating what yeah. you said, but, uh, but I can. Nope, that's cool. Um, yeah. So, well, some of the unknowns concerning the, the 2021 season have, have thrown some ice water on the hot stove. I've read that several teams don't even have an approved operating budget yet. And understandably, this has dramatically impacted the pace of the free agent market. So we won't you know rehash free agency predictions. Ferd and I potted about that last month. However, there's one particular trade rumor circulating that many insiders uh, believe that that Cleveland is is hell bent on trading uh, Francisco Lindor this winter. That it's inevitable. He's in the final year of his team control. Um, the Indians' ownership loves crying poor. If we accept this this trade as an inevitability, where do you think Lindor lands, and what would be the fantasy impact? Uh, I honestly have no clue, but I want to throw some things out there. Um, if it's a situation where he has no ability to block a trade. I could see something really dumb happening where he ends up in like Texas and he's playing for the Rangers and they might have just a stash of prospects that they throw back at the Indians that works. And then Lindor is like a quick cash grab for them to sell jerseys and stuff like that. But other than that, I don't know. Um, it's, it's, I, I haven't kept up with who needs, uh, what is, is he even shortstop? Does he play second base? I don't even know. Yeah, he's at shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah where are they where's it gonna go like honestly i could see even jeter stepping up and being like hey we'll we'll, we'll make you our 10-year guy and see what happens um but at the same time i, I feel like they're they've got something at least halfway decent going there already is in like hetcheveria they're doing at least okay uh, I yeah i don't even know who, i think they have that miguel rojas guy there yeah i mean that's the tough oh, okay. part for for, for teams like that is like they got to put some faith in the fact that they can re-sign them because, you know, otherwise you, you, you bring them in, you, you 
you deal some assets to get him, and then he's gone. Uh, I, I took yeah. another angle. I kind of looked more at teams who were uh, at a place on the win curve where they really could compete this year. Um, I didn't look at like their prospect stash to see if they actually had the bullets to get them. But for, you know, you look back at the Mookie trade, like it wasn't an overwhelming haul of prospects for one year of Mookie. And I don't think it will be for Lindor. So I think anyone who wants them has the chips to get them. Um, as far as looking at kind of, if you go on fan graphs, you can kind of sort by pos- teams by position to see like what their projected war is. The Brewers, you know, they're a contender. Are they content with Orlando Arcia who might, who may have done enough last year to really earn their confidence at shortstop? Diamondbacks, uh, Lindor would be a huge upgrade over Nick Ahmed, but but it wouldn't be good for Lindor. His his batted ball profile just doesn't play well in Arizona, at least in terms of power. But then the interesting one uh, to me is the Phillies. You know, Dave Dombrowski, mm. he comes in, he pushes the chips in. He plays to win right now. He'll give up, you know, prospects in a heartbeat for a star player. They currently got uh, Gene Segura, who's uh, slated for shortstop, but they can slide him over to second and push uh, Scott Kingery into a super utility role. I mean, do you really want Kingery as your everyday second baseman as is? I don't know. Yeah, and then for as far as a fantasy boost, according to Baseball Savant, you, know, you can do the park overlays. Only Yankee Stadium and the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati project as, as more hitter-friendly to Lindor's batted ball profile in terms of power. Uh, Philly would be third on that list as far as the best places for him to land. So it could be a spot, and, and if he ends up there, uh, that would be a yeah. that would be a, a big boost to him coming off a really really poor season. We'll talk about him later, but poor season. But speaking of shortstops in the in the final year of team control, have you seen the free agent pool of shortstops for next off season? For us or like real baseball? no real baseball real baseball no I haven't. Okay, check this out. These shortstops are all going to be free agents a year from now. Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, Javi Baez, Corey Seager. Wow. <laughs> yeah. that's what i said I'm like that is i mean some of those Sorry guys are them. coming off down years yeah but maybe you know we should maybe we're recovered by then and and, and we're in a better spot but with the i just mean if, if you're if you're one of five if, if the top five guys are all available then that's true you're not all getting top five money that's true that could see how that I mean, shakes out that's a good it's point it's like in moose if you've got if those five guys are available you might get one or two that get paid a lot but the average, if it's if it's if if a normal year and they was there was two of them, they might go for forty bucks a pop. But if there's five of them, they're going to be thirty, yeah, maybe even twenty five. A great point. They kind of just water water it down a little bit. I mean, if Lindor does get traded and signs a long term deal, and then maybe the Dodgers lock up Seager, that that whittles it down a little bit. But yeah, as of, as it stands right now, it's just it's crazy. And people were saying, I have no idea if this is true. People were saying that's why the Angels went after a, a one year deal in. in um, what's his name, Iglesias, this year because yeah, got five guys to pop. Him. We'll see. Okay, Sean. So moving into the uh, getting closer to the meat and potatoes of the show. Wait, hold on. Go ahead. Stop. Hit me. If that is the case, who do you want to take that angel spot? Oh, I mean, like money completely aside. No, that the whole thing of the price, the position, the, the defense, the offense. Who's going to push? that team to a point where they've got Rendon trout and who as like their top three bats. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I I don't know how they're going to come out price wise. So I'll just assume they're going to be kind of similar. Uh, Lindor would be my top option. He just, he's young. He does it all. Um, Trevor story. It's, I think he's a really good player, but like how much of it is Coors, Carlos Correa. I dropped Carlos Correa this past year. I mean, like that's how low I am on him. Javi Baez, 
speak to him later too. He was abysmal and I think, you know, doesn't have a, a, an approach that will age necessarily well. Seager, I like a lot too, but it's always, you know, it's kind of been around durability for him. So Lindor would be the top of my list. And then yeah. probably like a Baez Seager somewhere in there. Um, you know, Baez just because the defense alone would keep him as a pretty good player and he's shown what he can do. Yeah. yeah. Would, would you, dis- would you disagree? How would you rate them? Um, I would, yeah, I'd probably put Linder on top. Um, I could honestly see them doing something to get Correa and like underpay him or not underpay him, but assume that he's going to be the lowest on the totem pole potentially. Um, but I would definitely put Linder on top. I, I don't, I would love to be able to trust outside of Coors with either. I mean, even Nolan, there's lots of rumors of him getting traded. Not like he won't be a monster and put up great numbers, but the Coors field is the Coors field and you can't do anything to, <laughs> exactly. to change that. Exactly. But, yeah, I don't know. And there's always that theory, you know, where the problem, the reason why they struggle outside of Coors is because the ball moves differently when you get outside of there and they can't adapt as quickly and, and all that kind of stuff. So you never know. I mean, he could be the same player, but it's tough to say. I 100% subscribe to that. And I don't know that it's a theory anymore. I think it's kind of been proven. And at the point you're making yeah. to expound upon your point for anyone who's not as familiar is that Coors is not just a great place to hit because the ball carries, but also the atmospheric influence on the ball. The, the ball doesn't break as much, so either you're facing less devastating breaking balls or you're just seeing more fastballs because the pitchers don't want to throw their breaker because they know it's less effective. So then you go on the road. It's kind of like the antithesis of, you know, when you're in, in the on-deck circle swinging with the donut on, you take the donut off and the bat feels light. Everything seems a little bit easier and the game slows down for you. It's kind of the, the opposite of that, right? You go on the road and you're like, yeah. I just got to hit in Coors. Now it's like you're putting a donut on the bat and going trying to hit. <laughs> and so right. someone recently did a study where they, they A, found that the road impact of, of Rockies players is more so than, than the road impact of any other team, right? Like it hits them harder. Um, and also yeah. it hits them harder the first couple days. Like I, I don't have the study or whatever in front of me. And I only read kind of a Cliff's Notes version. But basically they said like the first two days after a homestand, the Rockies hitters struggle more so than the latter part of that road trip. So yeah. it's totally real. It's totally real. So it's, it, that's why it's so hard to peg guys like Story and Arenado. It's like, yeah, we know the numbers are going to come down, but their road numbers are going to go up. It's not going to be the same line at the end, but how bad will it be? You can't just look at their, their road numbers and say, oh, that's who they really are as a hitter. That's not a fair approach. Yeah. All right, Sean. So now moving, I'm glad you stopped me there. That was a good little tangent. Uh, moving into a, a brand new segment of the Christmas Eve Keeper Preview Pod. Consider this kind of an analysis warm up for when we go team by team with our, our previews. It's a little game called Keeper Showdown, and here's how it works I've selected two potential MK keepers um, at each position, except for catcher and relief pitcher, because those are kind of lame. And the players that I've selected, they play the same position. They're similar in keeper price, and they have a similar average draft uh, position in, in early draft data. Believe it or not, there's tons of real drafts that are occurring right now, and so we do have a little bit of a sense of the market for these guys. So basically we're looking at evenly priced players, evenly um, you know, respected players or recognized players in the market and saying, hey, the game's simple. Let's throw out two names, and it's basically would you rather. So is that, is that all clear? Yes, sir. Ready to go? Yep. Okay. We're going to begin at first base. The uh, first contestant here is Pete Alonzo, $7 year two. He's uh, Decker. I think Decker's got him, right? He traded for him this season. 
the polar bear, he broke out with 51 homers in 2019. He chased that up with a 43 homer pace this past year. And he is squaring off against Vlad Guerrero Jr. on Nick's team. He's on a $12 C contract. So slightly more expensive, but under more years of control. So the multi-year cost is comparable to that of Pete Alonso. Now, Vlad has he showcased that light tower power in the home run derby. They put on a show. Hasn't really translated to big home run totals, though, because he has that 51% ground ball rate. Sean, which keeper would you rather have? $7 Pete Alonso or $12 Vlad Guerrero Jr.? So this is tough. I looked at your list, and this is probably the only one I actually looked at more than face value. <laughs> so I, I've, I've got some stuff I want to share on this one. Um, first and foremost, I, I feel like you can look at this in a way where they are almost an identical contract. Um, Vlad at 12 for three years. Uh, Pete Alonzo has to be signed, but if, say, for example, you put him on a B contract and he's 12 bucks, and you essentially have him almost for an, the same average price over those three-year periods. So which one of those guys is better over three years? Um, that is a question I have to say I'm going to go with Vlad. Um, I, I'm scared of Pete Alonzo. He smashes the ball. He does pretty good overall. Um, but with these kind of guys, you find that hole, they turn into Chris Davis, and suddenly they can't do anything, and that is frightening. Um, I, I, I know he's cheap, but so was Chris Davis when I had him for $5, and I think he hit 212 that year. So it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough gamble with Vlad. The one thing that I noticed that I was impressed by, um, his balls that he swung out outside of the zone in 2019 was 29%. And then 2020 small sample size was only 23%. So there was an improvement there that is very drastic. Uh, the other one that was uh, percent of pitches, a better swings at inside the zone. He also improved there by about four to 5%, which is pretty drastic. Mm -hmm. So those two correlate very well. Um, if he, and take another aspect of it, he's fucking 21 years old. Um, he's, he, he's got over a three year period. He's, uh, 24, 25, depending on his birthday. That's a great number for him to be at over the length of that contract. So I, I don't know if next year he's going to truly fulfill what we're hoping that he fulfills, but that was final two years. I think he comes together and that value is, mon uh, monstrous compared to what Pete Alonso's putting up. You make some really good, really great points. And, um, almost pushed me off of my own position. It's always good. It's always makes for good potting when we, when we disagree a little bit. Um, but I agree with a, a lot of what you said. I wanted to go with Vlad because I think with his contact skills, he's a slight adjustment away from being a 300 plus hitter with 35 plus homers. And, and those just don't grow on trees. Um, he, he, as you said, he's still only 21 years old. I think he does get there eventually. And, that ceiling is, is kind of unlike anything we could see from Pete Alonso because we know he's never going to hit 300. But I think Pete Alonso has shown that he's kind of got like a 40 home run floor and, and all, oh, yeah, the, sure. all the runs, all the RBIs that come with that, you know, hitting in the middle of the order. And he has a 25% strikeout rate. It's completely acceptable in today's game. A 10% walk rate is above average. So he's not a total hacker up there. I think his floor is pretty safe. And, and he's shown us the ceiling is 50 home runs. Um, yeah. So... So I think that you're right that it's kind of this weird situation where where Vlad almost has the higher ceiling and the higher floor, but I'm still going to go with Alonzo because he's shown the higher ceiling and I'm not too worried about the floor. It's a really it was sure. it was probably one of the tougher decisions to make between the two. Um, 
can't can't yeah. even argue with you on, on Vlad just offering some, some right some and perspective. With, with Mr. P here, the thing that really caught my eye was he, he didn't change. He was the same guy twenty twenty that he was twenty nineteen, and I, I don't like to see that because that brings the Chris Davis effect into play where he doesn't seem to be adapting, and his average showed his batting balls and plays really showed his fucking ISO showed like everything about the things that project him to be uh, his ceiling, they went the opposite way. And he didn't adapt to that in a way where his, his walk is the same. The K rate pretty much the same. All his peripherals are, are almost identical Again, small sample size. I'm going to say that probably 50 times over the next 20 minutes, but um, it, it still ties together the fact that uh, he needs to do something to improve. And last year he didn't do it. That's a fair point. And, you're right. I, I looked at the K rate and the walk rate, but, but, you know, looking through a different lens, you know, you're right that he didn't show any growth. In fact, you know, the power, the ISO, you know, came down the BABIP. I don't know if that's deserved or not. That could be kind of variance or not. The, the, the isolated power came down, but on the other side of the coin, the, the, the pitchers had a chance to adjust to him, right? The scouting report was now out on him and his strikeout rate stayed at 25%. The exact same right. what it was before his walk rate stayed at 10%. So, you know, it could have gone the Chris Davis route to where now they're like, oh, this guy can't hit a high fastball or a low slider. Like, you know, the book's out now where in his rookie year, they didn't, they were just learning him, you know, trying to expose his flaws uh, on the fly. Um, you know, so maybe they, maybe that's a, a vote of confidence is like the book's out on him and he's still held. He's not a true 50 homer guy like he was. But yeah. Maybe 40 but so he didn't I, really I, hold. I, that's the thing. Um, but regardless, I would say, Pete Decker's in a good spot with Pete because he has a year to decide that make that decision of either trade him, sign him, whatever the case may be. If he so, this is going to be Pete's turn to to re retaliate against the pitchers. Essentially, he's he's now got okay. Now they're doing this to me. Let's see how I can adapt to them. So I, I totally get what you're saying that he's he the pitchers had the upper hand last year and now he's in a position where it's his turn to either make or break it. Yeah, and and you're right. That Decker Decker has the advantage of getting a, a one more year of data to make his long term decision, whereas Nick is is locked in there. So both great players. I'd love to have that. Was uh, that's a uh, you can make a case for either of them. That's a, a good start to this segment here. We're gonna slide over to second base and we're gonna look at Cattell Marte, one of the man's guys, two dollars on a year two contract. He broke out with a 32 home run season in 2019, added 10 steals on top of that. And then he completely collapsed last year. Two home runs, one stolen base. And his opponent today is Cup Checks Jeff McNeil, $1 year two, so almost identically priced here. A guy who, like Marte, he rides an elite strikeout rate, career 319 batting average. He broke out the boomstick and clubbed 23 homers in 2019, but also, like Marte, saw the power regress last year, hit just four home runs. Who do you like, Cattell Marte or Jeff McNeil? I think I like Jeff a little better. Um, I, I think this, the lineup helps. He, he, it's not a lot better, but it's definitely a little better. But I like uh, good contact guys, people who can see the ball really well. That's what Kettle was in 2019, as well as like kind of his whole career, to be honest. Um, but then he dropped his K rate pretty good last year down to from 14 to 11. But his walk rate also went down from eight and a half to three and a half. Like that's that's weird. Uh, what, what's going on with that? Um, but I, I just think I, I love Kettle. I mean, I drafted him for a reason and dished him to demand for a haul. Um, but I think I like Jeff a little bit more just because 
of his uh his, his contact he he's like last year he was 10 percent walk and 12 percent carry that's that's fucking elite that's really good like if you're seeing the ball you're hitting the ball and his numbers line up accordingly yeah i'll give the i'll give a slight edge to Marte in the power and speed departments you know projecting into 2021 but i think mcneil neutralizes that advantage with a better batting average a better ops Runs and RBIs could kind of go either way. So I'm going to go with a tiebreaker here. And you've already mentioned to it. I'm, I'm going to lean McNeil because I think the Mets lineup is stronger than Arizona. So those contextual stats, runs and RBIs, um, especially if they add someone like George Springer, I think those favor McNeil. Tough call, but uh, but I'm with you. I lean Jeff McNeil here too. So do you think uh, Cupjack's fist pumping and getting ready to type out a trade offer to a bunch of people? <laughs> we, we shall see. Um, <laughs> All right, so third base. I know you have a horse in this race, Sean, so we'll see how honest you, you can be here. Your guy, $21, Nolan Arenado on an A contract, miserable 2020 season. I won't read his stat line because I don't want to ruin your Christmas, but I know he was playing through an injury. He was shut down near the end of the season. I think he was out by the time we faced each other in the finals. Seems like he deserves a mulligan, and Arenado faces off against $24, Alex Bregman, also on an A contract. That's Keith's guy, Bregman, also coming off a down year, relatively speaking, uh, where he saw his OPS drop by 200 points. It was still a very respectable 801, but he was at a, a monster 2019. He definitely outproduced uh, Arenado, but was it enough for him to leapfrog Arenado in your rankings? No, he's a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the extent of your analysis here? Yeah, that's, that's all you need to know. I mean... Uh, Altuve, we'll see what happens with him next year, but uh, that whole team is just like, it, it's got to be so vile in the clubhouse with how people look at each other, and it just it does not seem like a happy place. Freaking Bob Ross would not want to be a part of the Astros uh, dugout or any part of that, you know. He's, he's not putting happy little trees up in there. Uh, Nolan, I, I, I know he had the shoulder problems. He's still, I mean, he played a little bit more than Bregman did. He put up better numbers across the board so except maybe ops it looks like um i, I still see i mean he he's got a good eye he plays well he's done it if he stays in rockies he's at least in colorado which is great if he's not then he's probably going to go to contender i feel like he's at a point where he's got his rights to to block trades right um i don't know if he i think he might and i know you know he definitely has an opt-out after this year but i don't know about yeah. no trade clause I mean, isn't there like the seven and five rights or whatever they call it? Where you can... I thought it, I thought it was ten and five. It might have changed though. Okay, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I'm not sure. There. I'm not sure. But either way, I, I think if he does get sent somewhere, um, he's been really vocal about his disgust of the ownership and the management there, and um, I think they are going to try to push him out one way or another. Um, and I think that he's going to have partly a say in that to to go somewhere he wants to go. I I would love it if he went to the Dodgers. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see. Yeah, 2020 was a strange year, and even beyond guys playing hurt like Arenado was, I I'm kind of just willing to issue mulligans to elite talent that just didn't meet expectations because it was a weird, weird year. Um, yeah. I think that both of these guys will bounce back and deliver elite stat lines. I am ever so slightly leaning Alex Bregman here. And that's due to the aforementioned trade rumors swirling around Arenado. I, I don't know if he can pick where he goes. It seems like he wants out of, out of Colorado. Uh, a trade doesn't seem inevitable as it does with Lindor, but should he get moved? Um, I think his numbers drop 
considerably. And we already talked about the Coors effect. I don't think he's going to be just what his road numbers are, but he won't have Coors to call home 81 times. And, and that's just not a risk I'd take when I have them projected so similarly to begin with. Bregman is a cheater. Um, it's, it's hard to say that, you know, he didn't benefit from that. But if you look at his career splits, he is a better hitter on the road than at home. So unless they've found a way to do it on the road too, I don't worry as much about this, you know, quote unquote down year for Bregman being a result of him not being able to cheat because he he's, he's crushed on, in both places. So, yeah. um, so I, just leaning Bregman just because of those trade rumors, otherwise it'd probably be Arenado. Yeah, I did look um, it up real quick. Uh, he does have a full no trade clause, so there you he go. wants to stay in Colorado and just milk that money and say "fuck you guys" where he can do it. <laughs> All right. So last last stop on the diamond here. We're going to shortstop Corey Seager. Ken's Corey Seager, fourteen dollars year one. He had a dream season last year. Hit three hundred with a forty homer pace. Capped it with eight home runs in eighteen postseason games, where he was just out of his mind. And his showdown opponent is another elite young shortstop. This one out on the other coast in Boston, Xander Bogarts, $19 year two. Uh, this is Decker's guy. Xander's breakout it was is more of a tsunami that kind of began in 2018, peaked in 2019 with 33 homers, nearly 230 runs and RBIs combined. Then he regressed back this year, back towards his 18 numbers. Um, but he added some speed. He paced 20 steals, which would have been a new high watermark for him. So Xander, Year two, five bucks more expensive. Him or Corey Seager? Um, I don't know. I, I love Corey. Um, but I, I really feel like last year's numbers, it was just like the opposite effect of like Bregman. Like Bregman was good. His peripherals showed well, but he didn't produce where Corey is, I mean, he didn't change much. He just got a little luckier, maybe you say, I don't know, or just a better lineup that was producing better is tough to say, but I don't see him with a 45 on run pace ever. 30 would be a very fortunate number for him to hit. I know he's still young and growing and learning, um, but I, I just, I can never get out of my head that year where him and Bellinger just took slider after slider and just swung over the top of it every damn time. And I know Bellinger figured it out. Maybe Corey Seager did too, but uh, it, it's, it's just, I don't see him uh, doing it as much. And I like the speed over on Bogart's side where he's, uh, he's pushing, pushing some wheels there. And it, it just, he's, he seems over his career been very consistent where Corey has had, really good years and then really bad ones. And then a really good one again. I don't want to say 2019 was bad, but uh, it wasn't great. So I, I, I think I would have to go with Xander. Yeah. Consistency is the key here. I, I love what Seager did last year. Um, I'm not, it's not to say that he would have hit 45 home runs or 40 home runs last year if they played 162, but the underlying data in the, the sample we got did support it. I mean, his barrel rate, all that stuff was, was career high. So it was a great year. And the slight edge in price pulls these two closer together, but I'm still going with Xander in the showdown too. And it's along the lines of what you, you talked about for me, it's, it's the durability, right? And, and in fairness, it may be premature to label Seager as injury prone. He had a couple injuries that stacked back to back a couple of years ago. Um, I think one was his back and one was his elbow. So they weren't really related. People stamped that injury prone label on him. It really may have just been kind of bad luck, but the fact remains Corey Seager has played, 148 games or more 
one time in his career. This includes his 2020 pace of 140 games. Xander Bogarts has played 148 games or more six out of seven seasons since he became the Red Sox shortstop every day. So you can just take him to the bank. So uh, I'm going with Xander as well. We're in a green tier. Yeah, and I have to say this because um, Boots is a little flip-flopping baby boy. Um, But I I can't take it when he's like, I hate Seager. He's the worst. Another error. Boo-hoo-hoo. And then, you know, playoff time's come and he hits a home run and make up for it. And then all is okay again. Come on, Boots. Be a man. (laughs) Take a stance. You know what? We're going to move him to the bottom of the list on who we cover today because you just called out his hypocrisy. And I I think you're right. (laughs) All right. I just like to pick on him. A couple, a couple more showdown rounds before we start going team by team, moving to the outfielders. Can do one outfielder um, or one outfield showdown. So we did one of your guys. We're going to do one of my guys. The recently acquired Christian Yelich, $42 B contract. I got him in the Lance Lynn auction, which I think officially closes today. Um, he hit a miserable 205 last year. Though the power and the speed, they didn't completely collapse. The culprit really was a 10% spike in his strikeout rate. Um, his opponent is another lefty swing and pimp, Bryce Harper, $47 year one. So $5 more expensive, but but a lot more time to, to hold him under team control. He delivered a great season. He paced 35-20. He walked more than he struck out. Recency bias would definitely support Harper, but is it enough to propel him above Yelich, who was a top five talent the previous two seasons? I go with Yelich. Um Looking at the numbers, you're right. He had a big K boost, but he also had a pretty good walk boost. He's almost 19% walk rate. That's crazy. Uh, hit 205 as his batting average, but still pulled a 356 on base percentage. That's crazy. Um, he's he's obviously still got a good eye, and like you said, like something was just tweaked, and he wasn't getting it out. And I also sort of think uh, after hitting 44 home runs and stealing 30 bags, people started to notice him a little bit more than they. They, they know he's legit and can really stroke one. But uh, so now next year is like we talked about with Alonzo. It's his time to make that shift and get back on the ball and, and really do something with it. I think he's going to outperform Bryce. Bryce, uh, I had him. He's he's already got an MK ring, but he does he does good things. He puts up big numbers, and I really like uh, what, he, what Philly has going on, actually. I think that's a good place for him. Um, but I don't think his batting average is really ever really going to get that high. Um, it, it just doesn't produce the runs in RBIs. I think that Yellish will be able to put up, um, and that's that. Yeah, it's, you know, Yelich, he struggled because of the K rate, jumped from his usual 20% up to 30%, but he actually wasn't whiffing more than usual. He, he was unusually patient. Uh, he only swung at 35% of the pitches he saw last year. He usually swings at about 45%. And when you take that many pitches and get into deep counts, that's going to lead to more strikeouts. It also leads to more walks. As you said, he walked almost 19% of the time, but the strikeouts were, were the killer. Um, and so being that he, the struggles were seem like they're more philosophical than something broken mechanically. I'm, I'm pretty confident he can bounce back to what level exactly is he going to go 44, 30. I don't know if I'd pencil that in, but um, he averaged 40 home runs, 25 stolen bases and a 325 average the last couple seasons. Harper, at his peak, he's probably closer to a 35-15. And you, you already made the comment about his batting average. He's probably at like 260, right? Like he's just not a batting average guy. So Yelich has demonstrated ceiling just so much higher than anything Harper has ever shown. Um, I'm going to go with Yelich too here. So we're, we're in agreement. Uh, I would love Harper. Yelich has some risk because if for some reason that philosophical shift 
sticks, that's not good. Um, but he still has a pretty good floor because of the power, yeah. the speed, and the eye. So the I'll guy shot swung at where would that number go? Twenty percent of the pitches outside of the zone, he swung at. That's, that's probably be like leaps and bounds higher than the second place guy. That's got to be the best in the league. I would bet that, you Muncie. I would bet you Muncie is better, and that's probably about it. Yeah, Muncie's, Muncie's crazy. crazy, dude. Muncie's like fifteen percent. He's insanely <laughs> good eye. Um, that's why I've always really liked him. Um, but yeah, that, but yeah, when you don't chase, you know, just good things happen. So, yeah. all right. So, starting pitcher. And so, speaking of Yelich, the guy who I I parted with to acquire him, Lance Lynn, seven dollars, year one contract, one of the the few remaining workhorses in an era of declining, you know, innings pitch totals. He's a lock for two hundred plus Ks. He's got a three five seven career ERA, career ERA, partially or largely because his ability to suppress home runs. So you don't worry too much about this move to a, a more hitter-friendly park on the south side of Chicago. Um, and he's facing off against a, an identically priced Sonny Gray, $7 year one. I was down on Gray a few years ago. The man insisted that he would be fine once he got out of New York. I got to say, the man was right. I will take my L on Sonny Gray. He's put together two really nice seasons since coming over to Cincy before 2019. Um, these guys, like I said, they have I- identical contracts. Who are you taking here? Uh so close. It really is. I love Sonny Gray. Um, I I don't like the walks, though. I know he's putting up almost 12K per nine, but to have a four walk per nine, uh, that don't that don't jive with me. Um, <laughs> I like Lynn moving to uh, a much stronger offensive team. We still are in a league that requires wins to be part of it. And I think in Chicago he will be able to amass more than he would be doing in Texas. Um, Sonny Gray, on the flip side of that, he's not going to be rolling in the winds in the same manner. Um, just just facts. Especially if they keep tearing that team down in Cincy, huh? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what his contract is. Uh, three years, so this is the last year. He's going to be traded at the end of the year. So that might be a good thing to think about. Um, actually, it's got a – no, it's not – he just got no, he, yeah, he's got years. he's got some option years and stuff too. He has a pretty team. I think he has two more years and then a third year for an option. And exactly. Yeah. So he's not at the end of it. He's at the beginning of it. So he's in Cincy for a while. So I, maybe I really like. I, mean, I like kind of tear, they're tearing it down a little bit. So they could true. look to move him. They could. They, they, it's still a, probably a good deal. I mean, thirty-two million for two guaranteed and a and a club option. That's uh, yeah. Or is it three guaranteed? Yeah, three guaranteed and a club option. That's pretty solid so Sweet, yeah. um I, I i still think that uh, that lynn takes a cake though i think uh whatever he did figured out i have never really looked into his numbers very crazily to see what he changed about himself but once he went over to, to texas he flipped a switch big time and just he found what he was looking for i, I don't know that he changed that much and that it's just he he got lost for a minute because he had one bad year i think it was when he was with new york a couple years ago and i think it was the year before that he had tj so he was uh-huh. just off the he was like off the radar entirely for a year. Then he had a bad year, but you look at the last couple of years he's been good, and you look at the four or so years before that he was really good. He just kind of got lost in the shuffle. He's an enigma, Lance Lynn, in that he. What I really like about him is also his biggest liability, in my opinion, and that's his fastball. He has an excellent fastball. He throws some variation of that fastball ninety percent of the time. That's a real stat. He throws his four seamer, his two seamer, or his cutter ninety percent of the time. And I like that because 
when pitchers struggle, it's usually because they don't have a feel for their secondary offerings on any given day. And Lynn doesn't have to worry about that. You don't really lose the feel for your fastball. The other side of that coin is he has nothing to fall back on because his slider sucks. So if his velocity starts to fade, that's the other thing. If you do look at any changes over the last few years, he's sitting like 94, 95. He was a little bit below that, I think, pre-TJ. If his velocity starts to fade and at nearly 34 years old, that day is coming, the decline will be rapid. I'm not saying it's happening this year, um, but it'll come quickly when it does. And then Sonny Gray, on the other hand, he's reinvented himself by overhauling his pitch mix. There's a little bit of like Zach Greinke in this. And, and while I took my L on, on Gray as a non-believer in his resurgence, I did say a couple of years ago that if he was going to have, have a comeback, he's going to have to be more of a kitchen sink guy. And that's what he's doing. He's offering his slider or his curveball about 45% of the time since coming to Cincinnati and his K rate, that's where it's jumped dramatically. You'll see it's like eight or nine K per nine. He comes to Cincinnati, it's like 11 or 12. Um, that's the big difference. I just don't see any potential cliff, you know, looming for Sonny Gray as there could be with Lynn. And then if he is dealt, because since he seems to be in this fire cell mode, obviously almost anywhere he goes is going to be a better park to pitch yeah. in. So I'm going to lean Gray here. I could see Lynn outproducing him this year, but I think Gray is a little bit safer. And if we're talking keepers on, on year one contracts, I think Gray is a couple years younger as well as uh, it's going to be productive for a few more seasons, at least for his, his, his lane, it, it, the wheels could fall off. So a little di- disagreement here. Fuck all me. right. <laughs> um, all right. So let's go. We're going team by team. Now we've reached the meat and potatoes of the show where uh, we're going to do our keeper preview and, and we're going to go with a completely random order with the exception of, of boots now at the, at the bottom. And, <laughs> We're sticking with the Christmas theme. So the format really is we'll lead off with a bah humbug. We'll take a shot at each manager for a garbage draft buy or a keeper selection. Talk a little smack. We'll follow that up. We'll be nice We'll buy with a buy or a keeper that we really like. And then offer just a brief overview of their overall, overall keeper picture as it stands today. So let's lead off with uh, Nick. Talk some shit on Nick. Who, who's a buy or a keeper <laughs> that <laughs> – Let's see here. <clears throat> oh gosh, let's. I don't even know some of these guys. Paul D. Is that Paul De Young? De Jong? <laughs> yeah, that's how it's spelled. <laughs> uh, I mean, you could very quickly go Verlander because he didn't fucking play this year. Um, but I mean, that was kind of an anomaly. He didn't know that was coming. Let's see. And is this Ryan Reynolds? I, I, I put Ryan uh, Reynolds. Brian Reynolds. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go it's Kingery. So Did Kingery do anything this year? I have to be like, no, he's a pretty I think big he bust. was pretty bad. Yeah. Ten bucks for a guy who didn't do shoot. Yeah, he had that. He played like everywhere on the diamond, and, and he, you know, he got that power speed threat, but he was really bad. I, uh, I, I looked at Verlander too, but it's kind of hard to fault Nick for an injury. So I'm going with $28 Patrick Corbin. He uh, just Ooh. completely, completely stopped missing bats last year. Uh, led to a four, six, six ERA, a one, five, seven whip. He was straight awful. So you combine those guys, that's like 70 bucks on pitchers. He gave him hardly nothing. That's yeah. a, a rough, rough uh, uh, L to absorb for Nick, but who's someone you liked on Nick's squad? Um, like Cassianos. I don't know if 24 bucks is a great buy. But I really like him as a hitter. I think he, um, if, if he's capped at twenty four bucks, I wouldn't 
I don't think be that mad at him for doing it. Um, I, I just think he's a good hitter. I, I hope he took some notes from Miggy while he was there in Detroit and carried that over to where he's at now. But um, I like I like that pick. Uh, Castellanos has become the center of one of my favorite memes with the uh, the Tom Brenneman call. You know what I'm talking about when he when he made oh, that the, like, uh, the, the slur thing? on. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I am, I'm just so sin- I'm a man of faith. I sincerely apologize as there's a drive in the left field by Castellanos and that'll be a home run. <laughs> That's a four nothing game. I don't know if I'll ever work for Fox again. <laughs> yeah, so funny. So people people on Twitter and stuff will take like a serious statement by like Trump or someone and. They'll start out with a statement and then they'll just go into there's a drive to left field. It's so fucking funny. It doesn't get old for me. <laughs> so, all right. I'm going to give him some props for Big Willie style. Will Smith, Dodgers catcher, three bucks. Dude raked all year last year. Small sample. That's like, we got to just embed that into everything we say. But every metric backs it up. For me, I think Will Smith could be catcher number two on my board behind JT Real Muto. There's some other guys who, the Wilson Contreras and the Sal Perez's who've been doing it for a long time and all even Grandal, um, but they're all also getting up there in years. And Will Smith is, is a, is a spring chicken and yeah. he smashed and great lineup. And yeah, that three run home run he hit in the playoffs. I, I had a lot of money on the other side that pissed me off, but Will Smith, <laughs> a great, great keeper at three bucks overall. How do you think Nick looks coming into the year so far? Um, what I, I got to refer back to this other one. I got two sheets here just in case I'm looking at things incorrectly. Um, I mean, he, he's always got a decent start. I think his core four of mandatory keepers being Witt, Vlad, Jan, and Judge are a good four core. And wait, we're, we're still doing seven, right? Yeah. Okay, still seven. You just can freeze a couple. You can freeze five, yep. Okay. Um, yeah, I think those are a good four core. Um, and I mean – one of those pitchers, if not two of them, are worth holding on to. Either Urias for you, um, even Verlander, if he thinks that that guy's going to do okay. Um, or just a couple of these hitters. I know David Dahl's really good. He could probably keep him for $6. Um, not even a giggle? <laughs> oh, I was letting you go. I, I'm smirking. I'm smir- I was like, oh, he's planting a trap. I'm going to let this – I'm just going to let this one sit and no, see if Nick just... steps in it. Trying to do a joke. It didn't work. But yeah, I, no, I, 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 I was I smirking. Think, I just right. wasn't going to interrupt you. I, and Simeon, I mean, I, I hate Marcus because he basically defeated me two years ago um, via Ken. So if, if he has uh, even his decent numbers that he's been putting up of, of late, I think that would be a good keeper as well. I think he's got a, a good, well-rounded asset to start with and a lot of money to spend once he goes into the draft. Yeah, S- Simeon slayed me that year too. I'm with you. Um, yeah, core four, you named it. All those guys, Vlad, Witt. Moncada Judge, all under 20 bucks. I already mentioned Will Smith. I think he'll sneak in there, especially as a Dodger fan. Um, and then you round it out probably with a couple lefty starters. $9 Rue, one on those guys. I don't think it's a keeper set that blows the doors off, but plenty of value. Multiple positions covered. That's yeah. always nice. Yeah. So that's that's one thing when we get to mind. I, I really like where I'm at this year compared to past years, but my offense is pretty much all outfielders, right? So whereas Nick, he gets to kind of – you know, if you spread it around a little bit, you get to you pick your spots a little more effectively in the auction. So a good foundation for Nick, who always has one of the better drafts. So maybe this is the year. Um, let's slide over to let's go to demand. He was boasting about this keeper set coming into the year. Um, who do you want to smack talk? Uh, let's see here. Oh, I mean, thirty five dollars for Altuve. Let's just go straight to that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. 
Yep. That guy's done. Um, there's a couple other things on here. Lux for 11 was probably pretty bad. Gary Sanchez, I don't know why people stay, still pay for him. Um, yeah, he 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 did he did not round himself out very well. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I, I was looking at the, uh, the 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 current roster spreadsheet, so I just kind of did my best to remember who drafted who, but was more so looking at how they sit now. So forgot about Altuve. As far as a bad buy, yeah, I, I I'm with you there. I was not, I was pretty vocal about Altuve even before the season, and then even midseason, I said this guy's done. He's done. Like I'll tell you right now, you ain't getting me to bid on Jose Altuve. He'll be rosterable in some sense, but he is uh, his superstardom is so far in the rearview mirror. Forget about it. And Gary Sanchez, even even just thirteen dollars, it's not a ton of money to sink into it. But remember, he did buy two catchers. He bought Sanchez and Realmuto. Twenty six bucks. Maybe, yeah, uh, but Ramuta paid off really well. Sanchez, his his stat cast numbers back up that elite power, yeah. but the strikeout rate continues to trend the wrong way. He's about as slow as Albert Pujols, so the defenses play these deep softball shifts on him, and that's murdering his BABIP. He used to hit the ball all around the park. He pulls it all the time now, and it's just it's killing him. Uh, I, I'm not closing the book on him completely because catchers suck, and if you can hit 30 home runs as a catcher, there's probably some value there, but uh, and, and I was a big fan just a couple of years ago. I paid up for him like 27 bucks like two years ago, yeah. but he's a, a disgusting own right now. Really don't want much to do with yeah. him. Who do you like on the man's team? Uh, there is a lot to like. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't even want to say anything. I, I I would put Tatis and Bieber like, fuck, 40, 40 <laughs> what is it, $44 between the two of them? That's insane. Yeah. Um, I, it, it, I, I'll tell a quick side story of, um, if, if the man can hold it together this year and roll in, cause he probably does have top, top three, if not the best set of keepers again, um, if he can put it together this year, he's going to be very scary, but, uh, he definitely, as demand does got super toasty. And I remember waking up the next day. Um, I think he left my house probably around five or six. Um, and then, uh, it was like, at some point in the night, Lauren was like, waking me up I'm like can you, can you go tell him to be quiet and I was like what what's what was happening and he was in the other room talking about how much he loves his baby girl and it was just like <laughs> rambling he, you could hear him on the phone with his wife just like I love her so much she's just the best and Lauren was like she liked to hear that but at the same time was like go get him to be quiet <laughs> yeah shut up <laughs> so maybe hey, now that dude, he's got yeah dad. maybe that he's got about Damn a year in the it. bank with her now it's not going to be the same and he'll be a little bit more focused and uh and, and he'll spin it accordingly you you, you could have just swapped out uh you know taylor for tatis and it would have been the same uh you know love love uh <laughs> confession that he would have been on yeah um but yeah tatis on speaking of the devil 26 dollars f contract uh, another instance where I got to wear the collar and give the man his due here. I was, I was never down on Tatis per se, but I did say, Hey, let's wait to see what you know happens when he doesn't have a 400 Babbitt like he did in 2019. Yeah. Last year, his Babbitt fell a hundred points to 306. His average did drop to 277. Still pretty good. You know, in today's game and definitely passable, but the strikeouts came down. The walks went up. The power continued to develop. He paced 46 homers. And if you look at his career line so far, 630 plate appearances, about one full season, 301 with 39 homers, 111 runs, 98 RBIs, 27 steals, 956 OPS, just an absolute superstar. And the man has him on a sweet deal until like 
2027. Taylor's going to be in like second grade by the time he's got to throw Tatis back. So um, that's weird. Uh, just a great, great player. It is weird to think about, right? So, what do you think of that? You know, overall, he he was he was he felt he was top dog coming into the year. Some things didn't go his way. How do you think he looks right now? Uh, demand. Yeah, yeah, same his, thing. His overall, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I hit on a little bit, but I think as long as he goes in with a, with a little more sleep this year, then he's going to be in a pretty position to really excel and uh, and really do something. He's got Beaver, Kettle, Tatis, Bichette, DJ is five. Then he's got to decide between Meadows, Meadows. Mancini, Gray, like. He's got more than he needs. He's wealthy. Yeah. I give him an A plus yeah. on this. He, he, he had a really strong core last year. Bo Bichette got hurt. Marte regressed probably more than he really should. Um, Meadows got COVID. was never right. Mancini missed the year with cancer, which, by the way, he's doing great. Yeah. So that's some good news to share. Um, he, he still has that core in place. And then, oh, yeah, he went out and landed $18 Shane Bieber, yeah. <laughs> who's – in the conversation for best pitcher in baseball. So his team name last year, and maybe even the year before, was 2021 Champs. He's pulling the old Sports Illustrated prediction, what they did with the Astros a few years right. back, where they called them out and then they mailed it. Uh, I think he's in a good spot to make it happen. Yeah, so I might, we shall see. I might just sell to him on uh, draft day. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. <laughs> um, all right, all right. Let's uh, let's take a look at Deke. Deaker. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, ben Benintendi for thirty. Boom. Put on the board. <laughs> <laughs> he was the easy target. That was definitely one in the post uh, the post uh, auction pod last year. Right. I, I beat him up a little bit. Yeah. It just seemed like he was paying for like the absolute peak season of Benintendi, and he got uh, the absolute low. Yeah. I think he was the low hanging fruit. Um, but but trying to trying to stick with the keeper theme of the podcast, I'll go ahead and pick on uh, Victor Robles, who was just trash last year. He's on a eleven dollar contract. See, the power plummeted. Sub one hundred ISO couldn't get on base enough to run under three hundred OBP. So only four steals. I think he'll bounce back a bit. He'll probably be worth the eleven bucks just because steals are so so valuable yeah. and, and becoming so scarce. But. I'm starting to doubt his status as, as a real game changer. And I think that's what we all thought Deke was getting when he traded for him in a fire sale. Uh, you know, I, I think it was, no, it wasn't a fire sale. It was last off season. It was like a three for yeah. one, I think. So I think he moved Jose Ramirez as part of that. So uh, I, I, you know, it'd probably be okay. It'd probably be worth the 11 bucks, but not the game changer. I, I don't think that we thought he could be. Who do you like? Um, who do I like? Let's see. We've already talked about two, Pete Alonso and Xander Bogarts, and in, in the showdown, so they're both his guys. Right. So we, well, I, I was I anyone else. I was out. looking for new guys that he purchased, uh, but I don't know. Did Didi do well? Gregorius for three bucks. Playable. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't see any fantastic buys in here that really strike me. Dustin May for five. If it was if it was twenty twenty and he was buying that rather than twenty nineteen. I mean, if it was twenty twenty one buying that rather than twenty twenty, that might be decent. Um, but otherwise, I, I don't see any crazy like blow me away buys there. Yeah, Adele's kind of the interesting one, right? I mean, we already talked about some of the blue chips and Alonzo and Xander, but curious to see what what the Angels do with Odell, who's, who's seven bucks. He was the another 
big piece of that fire sale deal where he acquired Alonzo. And Joe Madden in an interview this week said that he thinks Adele needs more time in AAA. So mm-hmm. uh, that's obviously not good for his 2021 prospects if he's in Salt Lake City. So I, I think there are there are seven keepers there, but but he could be a good candidate for another two or three for one like he did last year where he moved. I think it was Jose Ramirez to acquire three guys from Keith because the back end of his top seven, uh, they have some some question marks. Yeah. I, I, so Sean, let's. Um, I'd expect him to keep some of his closers. Hater for ten, Ken Giles for a dollar, or is he is he dead? I forget. Uh, I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's a free agent or if he still has a job. I know Hater's Hater's a good one, but I don't know about Giles. Is he on the Blue Jays or something. I don't know. He was. I don't know if he's still there or not. Well, let's carry on. <laughs> okay. Well, let, hey, let's uh, let's take it. Let's take a quick five, and then we'll come back and we'll jump into your team. All right, go. All right. What's Ready. up? <laughs> Thanks for accommodating my potty break. No, I needed a new beer. Uh, there we go. Oh, I grabbed one. I got a I got a Pliny going right now. Nice. Yeah, baby. It's not at the top of my list, but it's enjoyable. So, all right, oh. Sean, let's jump right back in then. Um, Bad buy. Chris Sale. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we are lead off with you. Chris Sale. <laughs> I mean, was he hurt, though, when you bought him? No. So I, I guess okay. that falls into a Verlander category of. Yeah, I think he can be more critical. I think uh, he got bigger regrets. Then let's go, Puig. I mean, Puig. he was only three bucks, but he never played. And you had to kind of hold him a while, huh? I held him the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that could still be doing it. Yeah, I think I did. Um, either him or uh, Keston. He, uh, I, there it he is. Has, he had good numbers, but not $28 numbers. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's that's who I selected too is here at 28 bucks. The pride of UCI, former Anteater. Can't blame you because I, I didn't have any quarrels with it at the time of the buy. Um, but it was just a mess of the year. I'm not going to run through his whole stat line. But here's a stat. He led Major League Baseball among all qualified hitters in swinging and missing at balls in the strike zone. Nice. So it's one thing to whiff when you're chasing, which is its yeah. own problem, but quite another to just swing and miss at strikes. Uh, so because his his hit tool was what he hung his hat on coming up through the minors. Like, hey, he's going to rise fast. He's going to hit for good average. It's whether or not the power will ever be there. The power is there, but the hit tool was, was kind of bad. So. Yeah, twenty eight bucks. It, it wasn't devastating, but but definitely one I, I can pick on you for. Who do you like? Probably picking uh, the same guy here. Yeah, Luke Boyd. <laughs> Ten dollar Luke Boyd. What do you want to say about him? Uh, he smashes. That's it. I mean, he's got a he. He looks kind of like he shouldn't be a baseball player. I don't know why. He just like barrel chested in a way that just is, is should be chopping blocks of wood instead of baseballs, but they kind of correlate, so it works. Yeah, he's kind of a svelte version of Dan Vogelbach, huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Good comparison. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot to like on your squad. He's who I selected too. I had him, as you recall, in 2019. I threw him back, and he fell right into your loving arms. Uh, enormous season. Led Major League Baseball with 22 homers. It's a 59 home run pace. I know the pace game is a little silly, but that's just crazy. Crazy amount of power. That skill set in that lineup, in that park, great keeper. Great buy. Got to give you kudos there. Overall, not much has changed really for you. I think you just got a little bit better. What do you What are you looking like this year for the? Uh, how do you uh, like your keeper? I feel the same. Um, being able to hold Nolan and Trey for another year is a big, big advantage. Um, the The thing I, I have that I started looking at just a moment ago was I, I 
I feel like I need to do a trade. Like I, I picked up and I had to say this was a, uh, a very strong uh, supplemental pick was Ryan Presley for uh, the last supplemental round, getting him for five bucks. If he's going to be closing out in Houston and does what I would expect him to do, that's a really, really good value, but tough to say because closers are, are so iffy, but uh, same with Kirby Yates. I mean, if I keep those two guys for 10 bucks total, that's pretty, pretty solid as far as saves go. But who am I dropping at that point? I, I feel like I've got some guys that I need to kick out. Barrios, I, I like. For $5 especially, I like. But at the same time, he's never taken that next step that I keep hoping he takes. Yeah, I think that the challenge in looking at just around the league, there's a couple of guys who maybe have some question marks on the back end, you know, keeper six, keeper seven who could maybe benefit from a consolidation type trade, the three for one, you know, two for one, but there's not a lot out there. And so I think it's hard for teams like you uh, and others who have 10 good options. You might, you might just have to throw some guys back, right? Where Yeah. The retention of the A contracts really is, is tough. Like Keith has Bellinger and Bregman both on A contracts. If he doesn't have those on his squad, I don't, I mean, who does he keep? I, I, I don't, I don't know. It's tough. So right. well, and that same, really and same for you with, uh, with Trey and Arenado, right? You wouldn't be in this right, position. Right. So um, I think that, you know, that's one byproduct of kind of doing what we're doing. I'm glad we did because I think it would have been screwy for, for you guys to lose those guys in a, in a asterisk season, but it does change the dynamic. It does kind of, uh, yeah. I think inflation could be higher even this year. And I think that it is going to be tough to kind of consolidate. So um, but yeah, overall, just not much has changed. I think you took what what was, in my opinion, the best keeper set entering last season. You added Luke Voigt. You added the 2020 AL MVP and Jose Abreu. So the the rich get richer. Yeah, baby. <laughs> rich get richer. Suck it, Eli. Dangerous, dangerous squad entering 2021. Let's look over to let's go to Frank. There's an easy one to pick on here. Ooh, um, I mean this bias. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or Stanton. Did Stanton do okay? Uh, Stanton, I mean, I think he just missed a lot of time again. Yeah. But I think he was even cheaper but, than Baez. But Baez right? was the big bust. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Baez is just a, a, a perfect example of, of how low the floor is when you, when you swing at everything like he does. He just kind of hacked away career worst strikeout rate, career worst walk rate, and then. That, of course, damaged his quality of contact, so his barrel rate collapsed. That was a career low. It's just miserable. Just a miserable showing from Javi. Yeah. Who'd you like? Um, as far as actual purchases at the draft, I would have to say here, let's see. Uh, God, he got a lot of guys for a dollar. He spent some money. I mean, he picked up Lance Lynn, so I got to go with Lynn. Yeah, he does. That was part of it. So Lynn was the trade to me for Muncie. So that's that landed him. Uh, that that Lynn buy, a savvy buy, got him a really good keeper in return. So that is a good one. I, I kind of yeah. forgot about that. I was looking, like I said, I was looking at the, the final rosters. Um, and so this one, not so much a keeper props, but he got Dylan Bundy in the supplemental round. So <laughs> puts him in a $20 contract, probably not a keeper, but you know, nah. Bundy, you know, finally got out of Baltimore, which isn't just a horrible park, but they, they deploy horrible pitching philosophies. And, you know, look at what, like, Arietta when he left there and when he left there. Uh, if someone leaves – that's a little free tip. When someone leaves Baltimore, it might, they're going to get better. Um, <laughs> so not just because of the park. They just don't know what they're doing. Uh, 
he, he treated out a, a really bad fastball for more sliders. The results were outstanding. Can't say he's a keeper, but just want to give Frank some credit there for finding such a, a great arm in the supplemental draft. And I beat myself up because he was kind of like on that $1 end game for me, and I ran out ran out of spots. And then he was – I think he was the very first pick in the sub, sub draft. Let's probably yeah. that mother effort. So what do you think overall with Frank? Uh, kind of middle of the road. Um, he's got Clevenger, Woodruff for a total of 14 bucks, which I think is great. Um, if he doesn't freeze Woodruff, he's got to sign him. So there's that aspect. Offensively, I mean, Muncie and Jose Ramirez. Jose really – or did he – he traded – no, he's, he's, got, got, him on, he's, he's got, got him on the active. Yep. Yeah, so he picked it up towards the, the later end of the season. So I think uh, I think that'll be a good keeper at 26. Um, Buxton, you know, very much like Jose Barrios, just – waiting to take that next step and he doesn't seem to be getting there but overall i think it's just going to be kind of middle of the road he's, he's the guys that he has that are good he spent a lot of money on so there's not crazy value that he's running into the draft with yeah i think there's plenty to like i'm not sure which direction he goes um you can lock in ramirez at 26 muncie at 12 buxton at three I and mean, it's a health thing but he's buxton's been good i think lamette yeah. at 11 bucks is going to get locked in there woodruff at a dollar he probably hangs on to one dollar Nick Solak. Um, as a reminder, Clevenger, he got Tommy John. He's out. Oh Back. shit. So that pretty pretty obvious, at least five, maybe six. And so not that I want to hand out any free advice that's gonna, you know, stab me in the back, but this could be one of those targets for someone like you who who I'm already texted. He him. can he he can maybe benefit a two from one. Cause I look at, at option number seven. Is it sixty five dollar Mookie? $30 Luis Robert? Uh, I don't know. The last spot's kind of up for grabs. It's, yeah. it's a pretty strong core, but there might be a two or three for one to, to be had there. So uh, I hope you don't for my sake, but I think that could be one of the few fits out there for someone who might want to to kind of bolster the back half of yeah. the keeper rotation. What about his uh, butthole blasting buddy, Eli? Eels, 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 eels. Bad buys. Let's see. Machado, 31, kind of stands out at a quick glance. No, um, you, no, no, you're mixing it up, dude. Machado had a huge year. Oh, he did? Yeah, yeah. You're oh. thinking of pre, you're thinking of 2019 Machado. Oh. Uh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> then let's say, uh, I mean, Jordan didn't do great, right? He was kind of a bum shoulder or something. His knees, his, he barely played. His knees served. Yeah. He's like 22 and his knees don't work anymore. Mason Saunders, I don't even know who that is. Eight dollars. Wasn't that? Uh, oh, that's Bumgarner's rodeo name. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Why do I write these things? <laughs> oh shit! Uh, yeah, I mean, that would probably be, that could probably qualifies. Yeah, I, I mean, I I'd probably stick with Yardon just because you know he, he, those he, I don't we we sort of knew about the knees a little bit, right? But I think it was kind of like that he's kind yeah, of flopping around. I think it was like they're achy and he might miss a little bit of time in April, but he's it was like they were they were barking, but nothing like super serious. God, I'm still laughing at Mason Saunders. <laughs> All right, uh, what about you? Uh, one second, I got Mary coming in here looking pretty upset about something. Let me yep. call you right back. Okay. Hello. Hey. The life of podcasting with a, a three-year-old melting down and a hormonal pregnant wife. Ew. So, 
We're good. We're good. We're back. <laughs> I just had to put out a fire. It's all right. Um, I, it gave me some time to text Jimmy for trade offers. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I believe we were leaving off at uh, Eels is bust, and, and I, I'm going to concur I'm, with Alvarez. I can't break his balls too much. It, it was injury that took out Jordan, and I liked the buy at the time. I guess it's it's kind of a compliment. I couldn't find a, a truly bad purchase or, or keeper on Eels' squad, but so I'll, I'll go with Jordan, too. Who's someone you liked over on Eels team? Um, I guess you should have looked at that while you were gone. I mean, I guess since I <laughs> fucked it up earlier, Manny Machado apparently was a good buy for $31. <laughs> just swing the other way. Yeah, he was. He had a, he had a really good season. Uh, I liked uh, $1 Gio Urshela. Yeah. Over in Yankees. He had a the 2019 breakout, largely uh, supported by his underlying metrics, but it seems like everyone, including myself, um, were a bit cautious. Um, really put up another really strong season so good one dollar buy like Shella there what do you I think i feel like we were picture? hesitant on him what's up uh because someone else was supposed to be taking third base from him like they were in a battle well, and that's Harvest right that. yeah so people were hesitant on yeah. that but and yeah I, I agree on that um, that's a good point but overall i think eels is eels he's always got a consistent draft ready team um Kershaw over 24 will probably be very good. Uh, Brantley, Conforto, um, Chapman, Story, Brendan. Like, I mean, he's got five or six guys off the bat that are just good players that you can bank on kind of guys. And then if he holds on to Geo or even some of these other dudes that he picked up, that I think he's got a, a very simple way to seven total. in the way of insane value there's no Tatis or Acuna you know on this team or contract of, of, of that you know regard but he's he's loaded with star hitters who, who are on team friendly deals like you said Rendon Story Chapman Conforto Brantley three bucks or Shella so uh, th- there's not much on the pitching side he's got Severino for a buck who he stashed and if they push back the uh you know opening day then I don't think he's supposed to be ready by opening day I could be wrong but if they push that back, then that's Nelson be Cruz nice. have a team but yet? It's pretty hitting. I'm sure he'll no, keep it. No, not, uh... <laughs> not yet. Cause... Yeah, well, they're waiting to see. His agent wants to see if there's going to be an NLDH because yeah, that true, doubles true. his you know, Do you think suitors, gonna pull, but... they're going to pull the trigger on that? I, don't I, don't know know I think gonna they're going to just wipe it away. Yeah, I don't know that it's going to happen. It seems like it's going to be wiped away this year and then huh. come back next year. But And, and the, the commission – well – I shouldn't say come back. They have to negotiate it in. But it seems like uh, the, the commission has basically said, hey, operate as if there's not going to yeah. be an NLDH. So I don't know why he would say that. But who knows why he says a lot of things he says. But it seems like it might go away and then probably be part of the yeah. larger negotiations yeah. for the new CBA. Um, but, yeah, so super hitting heavy for Eels. But that's okay because he, he has a knack for, for building pretty strong pitching staffs, and it's usually his bats that let him down. So a lopsided distribution in favor of offense could actually benefit him. So I think he'll be just fine. Um, looking at oh, Cup, who's I, the bust? Oh, wait a minute. I somehow lost my sheet, but I found it again. Uh, where did he go, Brian? Bust. Oh, my God. He spent a lot of money. His style. Um, bus. Stars bus. and scrubs. Uh, Syndergaard? I mean, he got hurt, didn't he? Or he just sucked? And then it, 
Yeah, I don't know if you. I don't think. He, yeah, I think he opted for TJ during that like dark period before, in like yeah, June or something. I, like I won't count that. Um, maybe like Ahmed Rosario or something. Just didn't spend a lot, but still didn't provide any value. Yeah, Rosario. Yeah, he, he he's kind of seems like he's just getting pushed out in, in New York. I actually went with one of his big buys, guy we talked about earlier, yeah. in Lindor. Um, just because, I mean, he paced, if I'm doing the math here, probably, you know, 22 homers and almost 20 steals, but he had 258, 750 OPS. Um, just not just not really the, the kind of year that you thought he would have. And, and K percentage, walk percentage, all that was pretty good, but he didn't really barrel the ball. So it seems like the power drought was, was deserving. He's definitely another guy who, you know, I'll give a pass to just based on Pedigree. Kind of the, the weird year yeah. that it was. Yeah, exactly. But you know, no need to get into the weeds of Lindor, but he, you know, he didn't, he didn't bring back 50, uh, 55 bucks worth uh, on his paycheck. Who's someone that you like that you um, got? Freddie. I like Freddie, for, even for 43. Or, I mean, Azuna Three. for 27. Like, those two guys for 70 bucks, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, Azuna. Yeah, Azuna he, he, fluctuates quite a bit. He had that massive season in Miami a few years ago. He got traded to St. Louis and – that's when I traded for him as a keeper, and then he yeah. sucked. <laughs> and then I throw him back. All of a sudden, he's pretty good again. That's who I picked too, though. Twenty-seven bucks. He beasted out big time. Yeah. And we got no problem. You know, Cup has no problems keeping salary because it kind of aligns with his his starts and scrubs yeah. options. So, uh, you know, I'd venture Azuna goes for more than twenty-seven if he got thrown back, and, and Freeman maybe too. He's the MVP. Yeah. So, what do you think of the big picture? For uh, I give him a similar road as Eli. Um, always comes in with at least something worthwhile and then spends his money pretty well, typically. Um, even his pitching staff, he didn't pay more than $30 for a guy. Glasnow, Giolito, and Syndergaard, in theory, is a pretty good threesome. Um, didn't work out with, with Thor, but overall, that's that's good money spent, and uh, I think he'll do just fine and, and be at least competitive once again. He has some really affordable options in, you know, $18 Albies, $1 Sano, $6 Eugenio Suarez. We talked about McNeil. He's a buck. Eloy Jimenez, 16 um, That's before you can get to a, a pretty fairly priced or, or, or well-priced Azuna at 27 or even, like we talked about, Freeman at 43 And then pitching side, $5 Kenta Maeda. Maeda was nasty this year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, short season, so durability is kind of a thing with him, but – uh, he was great. He's got $1 Marco Gonzalez, who was great. Not a lot of upside, but just a, a crappy guy. Jesus Lazardo, like He's definitely someone who who has way more than seven options. So yeah. you know, maybe he can pare it down a little bit, consolidate. Um, plenty to work with there. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's look at Ken. Didn't get his three-peat. He's going to probably try to say that it wasn't. You know, it didn't count and that uh, his three-peat hopes were alive, but I'm going to shoot <laughs> that down right now. That's dumb. <laughs> and he's going to be exhausted as all hell. I think his, I think I is due with their baby in, in February. So yeah, he's going to, he's, he's going to need some good keepers because he's probably going to have a pretty rough draft rubbing the, the sand out of those eyes. Who was the, the worst pick or keeper from Ken's squad? It's got to be a tie here. Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, $80 between the two of them. That's uh, I know Bryant or Rizzo probably did better than Bryant, I think, but both of them definitely underperformed those. I I picked Bryant too. I didn't I didn't notice if Rizzo had a, a particularly bad year, but Bryant sure did. He was just 
there's not even a need to go under the hood. It was just abysmal. Didn't do much of anything right. I didn't really love the pick at the time. Didn't hate it, but didn't really love it. And, and uh, just, I mean, nobody could have seen this level of collapse, but Bryant was just yeah. $50 in a drain. Like, might as well grab Verlander, um, which I, I, th- I think um, that you were talking about Nick's keepers earlier. I don't know if I commented. I think Verlander has, I think he's out this year. I think I think he had oh, Tommy yeah. John. Yeah, I think he's done for this year, which puts him at like, I don't know, 38 or 39 years old by the time he comes back. So that'll be an interesting, uh, that'll be a really interesting buy next auction because what is the market for a former ace who hasn't pitched in a year and a half who's almost 40? Uh, yeah. It'd be interesting. Um, who'd you like on Ken's team? Who do I like? Um, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like Kevin Gasman did a did a okay year, but or Max Max Freed. Yeah, they both or, did. Fucking Corey Seager. I mean, there it Seager. is. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going with too. Freed, Freed and Gasman both had pretty good years. Seager already talked about him earlier on the pod. Excellent keeper option there for Ken. Yeah. Um, overall, I mean, he never rebuilds. Ken reloads. He he traded Bieber to make a run at a three peat and. He's still got a pretty fully stocked cabinet. What do you think about his overall outlook? It's all right. Uh, I I think he's going to come in heavy and be very competitive as usual. I, I hate to keep saying it, but very similar to Eli, Brandon, uh, they, they know what they're doing. They've got their strategy in place. I, I think they'll do well. He's got Morton that he'll hold on to. Um, I need to look at Max Freed again. I know he did really well, and I hear his name a lot, but I don't know how great he actually is. Um Mustakas at seven, I, I like. He's got money spent in good places that he can build on very, very well. So I, I don't think he'll have much issue rolling into the year being competitive. That's just it. it. It's there's plenty to work with, and Ken will make a trade or two to make this grouping even stronger. You know, the guys you name. Yeah. When he did part with Bieber, he got thirteen dollar Real Muto, who I think is the best catcher in the league. Both, you know, Eddie Rosario and Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber was not impressive last year. Rosario was. Both were non-tender. We don't know where they're going to land, but they will land jobs. Yeah, they're weird. cheap. Um, we talked about Harper's big season. You mentioned Morton, seven bucks moving to Atlanta. That's good. Big breakout year for one dollar Corbin Burns on the pitching side. So there's a lot there. Freed, uh, Freed. It's all about like do you buy into the contact management piece? Like he, he's one of those guys where you look at like the FIP and the XFIP and all that because of his strikeout and walk rates. He doesn't he doesn't project that well because people you know just project that regression but if you think he can be that kind of you know hendrix type or someone who just really suppresses contact you know home runs and hits then then freed is that's your kind of guy so it yeah. just kind of depends on which lens you're looking through but it's not it's not overwhelming but he's got plenty there and, and he'll 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 do some stuff in the next couple of months to make this group even better yeah all right well let's talk about commish the man who broke up Ken's three peat well, actually, you technically did, huh? Because you knocked him out. But <laughs> yes. Who is uh, there's 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 a couple of easy targets here on my back for some bad picks or bad keepers. Who floats to the top for you? Uh, oh gosh, Vigio maybe. He was all right. He was there, there's worse. Uh, um, I, I don't know. JD Martinez, JD Martinez was uh, yeah terrible. I don't know if you saw what kind of year he had. He was like really. I think he had a sub seven hundred OPS. So yeah, I think he, he was a uh, 
he's the easy pick, but I don't know if anyone would have saw that disastrous year coming. I'm going to, I'm going to pick on myself for Ramon Laureano at 17 because I traded for him, made him a keeper. And uh, I thought I was getting a nice power speed guy <laughs> and who would, you know, hit atop the order and play every day because his gloves so good. Uh, best thing he did this year was trying to kick that Astros coach's ass. That's like the, the, the biggest contribution he made. Laureano sucked. Yeah. He's dead to me. That's awesome. He's out. <laughs> but you got now you know you, you got to compliment me here who do you like uh nobody <laughs> um i kind of i mean you know it i love brandon lau yeah and then christian walker christian walker didn't do it well but i love lau i think you and i were, were bidding him up yeah there's one of those guys i probably would have got for a buck if you weren't sitting right there next to me you bastard yeah i like lau um more so i like three dollar kyle tucker uh, he's uh he's been passed around like a little slut so i can't yeah. even recall the deal i made to acquire him because i've owned him more than once i feel um like i've had him multiple times even like the same off season but i think i'm pretty confident that whichever deal put him back on my team i think i won that one because he's like a 25 25 guy with upside for more yeah. expecting a pretty big year out of kyle tucker so fuck the astros yeah. all that stuff um but what do you think about the the big picture here uh I think this is one of your weaker years for sure mm, going in okay. um, just because typically you've got some, some big bangers out there. You, you definitely have good stuff with Darvish Castillo um, and, and some of the, the bats as well, but Muncie. No, I don't have Muncie anymore. Oh, oh, I'm yeah. looking at the wrong one now. Um, let me look at the right one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you'll do well as always, but uh, I also think that uh, you've had better years going in. That's interesting. See, I'm pretty happy with what I have to work with compared to other years. Shouldn't be. <laughs> um, I have had some good, some nice guys before, but I, I think I've, I usually carried a lot more money, like spent, and I think I, I, I have a little more this year. Um, I, I don't know. I have plenty of power speed guys, Yelich, Tucker, and Trent Grisham. So I think that'll give me some flexibility. I won't have to overpay for steals. Yeah. And on the pitching side, I got kind of a three-headed monster there, Darvish, Castillo, and, and Gallon for like 35 bucks total. So I can I can still go yeah. get another ace if I really want to fortify that, or I can just kind of build around that solid trio. So I kind of like where I'm at this yeah, year more than previous options. I think at least dollar <laughs> for dollar, I don't know if I have more value, but I like where – like. I don't feel in previous in previous auctions yeah. I might come into a draft like I have to get this one guy because I'm fucked if I don't. Uh, whereas this year I feel like I've got some pretty good balance coming into it. The exception being it's pretty outfield yeah. heavy, so I'm gonna have yeah. to really focus on the infield. Okay, all right. Um, I gotta start rushing through these. We're get, we're getting to time for me to okay. leave here. Let's blitz. Who Ferd. are we on? Blitz. Ferd. Ferd buys. Uh, now look at me just stuttering here. I have no idea. <laughs> if you, if you got to run, I can, I can wrap uh, this up solo. I don't want to keep you. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see anything on here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to jump? I don't see any good buys. Do you want to jump and I'll, I'll kind of just wrap this thing up real quick? Yeah, I know. No to. problem, man. Hey, Merry Christmas. It was a good chat with you. I'll, I'll post <laughs> you this. as well. Catch you later. Later. What up, Nuts? But this is like segment four of the annual Christmas Eve episode. Sean had to jump. I'm getting a little drunk. I still got dinner to make, but we're going to wrap through these uh, 
these last few teams just to make sure everyone's covered here. Starting with Ferd, looking at the bust, I'm going to go with Franmil Reyes, 24 bucks. Uh, I was the one who bid $23 on it, so I can't rip Ferd too hard, but uh, that's just a buy that didn't pan out. The power regressed to about a 175 ISO, a guy who struck out nearly 30% of the time and gives you no speed, just ain't going to cut it. But I did like the Lourdes Goriel buy, $6, broke out with uh, 20 homers and six stolen bases in 84 games in 2019. So the market was was a bit tepid because we didn't know exactly you know, if that was who he was. But it turns out that was largely for real. Goriel has 31 homers and nine steals in 131 games since then, uh, since the start of 2019. So a nice buy for Ferd. And overall, just looking at the outlook, Nasty pitching staff. Walker Bueller at $17. Snell at 11 Nola at 14 Bauer at 5 Bunch of really high upside arms there. Pretty you know, developed guys, too. So recently added $7 Lance Lynn. Maybe that was just trying to shed the Yelich contract. But dominant pitching. He's going to have to focus on the bats. But a $45 Juan Soto, who's among the top five hitters in MK. Excellent foundational piece. Uh, Keith, the bust. Mm. Not really any bad buys on this list, so this is really nitpicky, but I'm going to go with $8 Wander Franco. And Wander Franco at 8 bucks could be the kind of guy that Keith gets years of production out of, but it was pretty clear last year he was not uh, coming up in, in last year's season, even before all the, the weird COVID shit happened. So we don't really know if and when he'll be up this year. So a nice long-term investment, potentially a wasted roster spot for two seasons uh, if they hold him down. Unlikely, but possible. So that's why I picked him a little bit nitpicky. But I love the Cody Bellinger acquisition, moving Mookie and his $65 contract to buy low on $6. Cody Bellinger was an excellent deal for Keith. Bellinger, he was pretty bad, as I've said, but I'm handing out mulligans to elite players in, in most cases. I expect Bellinger to deliver a great 2021 season. Overall, a lot of really good options. You got the core of Bellinger and Bregman. Um, you know, he's keeping Wander at eight bucks, Jerry Kalanick, who he unloaded to acquire for me for a dollar. So then the back end, I know Chris Paddock at three bucks seemed untouchable in trade con- uh, conversations. So I think he's on the list. Then he has some decisions to make for the, the six and seven spots, but lots of guys to choose from. Keith should be pretty strong coming in and we're going to round it out with boots. Who's the bus? $14 Oscar Mercado. These power speed guys, they get hyped and when they click, they're awesome. But Mercado was just dreadful. Ended up getting booted off the roster down the stretch. Given how bad the Indians outfield was, that's really saying something. Who do I like? $5. Tim Anderson. Boots traded for Tim Anderson at some point. Can't recall the exact deal, but I like him. The profile's a bit scary in that he swings at pretty much everything. He relies on a very high Babbitt to succeed. It means he could crumble, but he's done it over multiple seasons. Mix in some power and some speed. Really nice option at 5 bucks. Overall, keep a picture for Boots. Well, as always, he's got that 1-2 SP punch. Garrett Cole at 36. Jack Flaherty at 11. He loves to prioritize pitching. The offense isn't littered with names I'm in love with, but they're cheap. $5 Anderson. $3 Josh Bell. We talked about him getting moved to, to Washington. Great upgrade for him as far as parking lineup. $10 Kyle Lewis, rookie of the year, I think. Had a, had a great season. $1 Jorge Soler coming off two years ago. A monster year. It's not my favorite group, if I'm being honest, but maybe it's just recency bias that's clouding my judgment. Both Soler and Bell, those contracts were gold a year ago. Maybe I'm just being a little too harsh on them, and they will rebound nicely. So I had to, to wrap this up rapid style because me and Sean ran a little long with a couple of uh, interruptions along the way. 
But hey, I appreciate you guys. Merry Christmas. Stay safe. Hope to catch you guys soon. And uh, enjoy the pod.